Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. It's good to have you here today. We are uh, actually going to be in the book of Colossians today. Uh, we'll be taking a break in our uh, series of called uh, Big Picture, going through overviews of books of the Bible. And that's going to be for several reasons. One of those is because, as uh, Pastor James and I have talked and you've, you've heard, uh, we believe that God is uh, shaking up our snow globe <laughs> as, as Reach Life Church. I was telling somebody this week, uh, all that's going on in my life personally, and the church is in a period of transition, and they said to me, sounds like God's shaking up your snow globe, Terry. And I said, you know, that's a good descriptor. That, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, so we're, we are in a season of transition, uh, but honestly, um, I'm kind of excited about it. I think, it's a, I think it's a great thing because I know who God is, right? And I, and I um, of course, don't want to diminish uh, the difficulties that come with change and transitions and those sorts of things. They, they, it can be difficult. However, it can be a really good thing because I think God wants to grow us through times of change. Like I really do. And the reason I think that is because I've seen him do it time and time and time again in the scriptures and in my own life, right, in the lives of others. Maybe you've seen that too. So uh, change can be a difficult thing. You know, God's shaking up our snow globe. There's a, a shaking that's involved in that. Uh, but I think it's part of his love for us because in helping us grow in healthy ways and change in healthy ways, he's helping us receive his love more fully and thus enjoy him more fully and thus more fully bring glory to him. And aren't those things what life is all about, right? And so I think this is what God would be doing right now. So again... We're interrupting our series of the big picture because we always break up our big, long series. You may remember it took us forever to get through the book of John, so we broke it up. Uh, we're doing the same here. We're breaking it up. Keep things fresh. But also, as Pastor James and I prayed about uh, what book would we, would we go through during this, this time of break from our big picture series, I mean, the book of Colossians seemed like just a fantastic place for us to spend a few weeks going verse by verse through there because the overall message of the book of Colossians is the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And what possible thing could you look to more readily during a time where things are unknown or things seem overwhelming? Well, look to the, look to the one who is never overwhelmed. Look to the one who never changes. And so we thought it'd be a real practical place for us to, to be in these few weeks. And this morning, uh, you're going to see, um, well, you won't see it this morning, but the book of Colossians is full of like really high, what they call Christology or views of Jesus. Like Colossians, it will blow your mind if you dig into it. Not this morning though. This morning is really practical on the ground, um, not easy, but clear things. And so it's just, we're just going to look at Paul's opening greeting. This sounds like a weird thing to do. We're going to look at Paul's opening greeting in the book of Colossians. And to get our mind kind of going on the right path before we read, I want to ask you a question. What makes a great church? What's a healthy church look like? If you had the opportunity to list five or ten things 
in your mind about, okay, this is what a really great church looks like. This is a healthy church. What would, what would be on your list? Persecution, Andre, right? Uh, I'd actually would agree with you. Um, yeah, but there's something involved in that, right? If I, if I, I read a description of the ideal church um, somewhere that said this. Get a picture of this in your mind. It is a place where brokenness finds healing, where unity is fostered, and above all, where the transforming power of the gospel, that's the good news about Jesus, is embraced. It is a place where prayers are offered with thanksgiving, where lives are changed, and where the truth and love of Jesus shines brightly amidst the darkness of the world. That's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good spot-on descriptor. And actually, it should humble us because that kind of thing, that kind of entity, that kind of, of family is what God has called you. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, God has called you to be that. To be that it, it would be a miraculous thing if one of us were a, were a place where brokenness finds healing, where unity is fostered, where the transforming power of the gospel is embraced. That's a miraculous thing if it happens to us individually. Well, what if, it, what if that's who we are collectively? That would truly be a miracle. Well, I believe here in the opening greeting from the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae that he is describing that kind of spiritual family. It's a beautiful body uh, that Paul is describing here. This, they're working and living lives in ministry together. And so we're going to be reading uh, some marks of a, of a healthy church about what makes a healthy church, what a healthy church looks like from probably the greatest church planter the world has ever seen, the Apostle Paul. All right, so just some background real quick. Paul is likely writing this letter from prison. He's heard of false teachers who are bringing doctrines around that would cast aspersions and doubts upon Jesus and who he is. And so he's, he says, we better get this right, church. And so he's, he writes to them about Jesus because think about it. If Jesus is not who he says he is, there's no such thing as a real Christian. If Jesus is not who he says he is, there's really no such thing as a, as a, a true church. What is the church if Jesus isn't Lord, if Jesus isn't who he says he is? Um, so false teachers were trying to teach that Jesus was less than who he claimed to be. Well, obviously, that would move people to uncertainty and doubt and falling away from Jesus and his church. Well, in our own time of not only transition as a church, many of you, I, I know your stories and what's going on right now. I know that you too are in times of transition, times of uncertainty, and none of us at any time knows the future. And so it could, it could cause us to lose sight of the real Jesus, of the real mission that he's called us to as his people, and we could become shipwrecked individuals and shipwrecked as a church. And that's why we've titled our series, Jesus is Greater Than. Fill in the blank. Jesus is greater than anything, right? That statement is a fact precisely because Jesus is who he says he is. He's greater than anything. So Paul's writing to keep the church strong amidst anything that would come their way. And so we, we thought that, that Colossians would be a really practical place for us to be. Um, so let's read carefully in these opening verses. What does a healthy church look like? What does a vibrant, healthy, thriving, growing church? By the way, Reach Life Church, when I say church, what do I mean? I don't mean this. 
right? Do you realize that you, we are the church? We don't go to church. We, we are the church. We gather in the building. Uh, some people gather outside. Some people gather in homes. We are, are the church. And so Paul is looking to help grow us, help us stay strong and, and shape our lives in a certain way. Okay, Colossians chapter 1. Let's read verses 1 through 14 together. Can we stand? Can we do that? Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God, if you can. If you can. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you and is indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thanks, you can be seated. That's the Word of God. You know, before we get into the descriptors of, of what a healthy church looks like in verse 4, I want to just uh, point out verse 3 again, where, where Paul says, he, talking about he and Timothy, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. You know, the we there, again, is Paul and Timothy, and the you there is the people of the church of Colossae. But let, Reach Life Church, let me tell you something. Um, James and I pray for you, and we thank God for you. We thank God for the privilege of being Jesus' under-shepherds, of Jesus' flock uh, in general. But specifically, we thank God for being Jesus' under-shepherds for you. Like, it's a privilege. Uh, I don't know if you've been around Reach Life long enough or if you've gotten to know Reach Life long enough, but God is doing amazing things, and God is at work in us. And I know that you love the Lord. I know that you want to serve the Lord. Pastor James knows that. So we thank God for you. We consider it to be an honor to be your pastors, um, and we want, we want you to know that. Um, so the first thing we see in Paul's greeting here is he describes what a healthy church looks like. If you're a note taker, you'll see it uh, on your outline and coming up on the screen. Characteristics of a healthy, vibrant, thriving church. The first one is a strong faith. A strong faith. Verse 4, he says, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, 
there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about what the term faith means. Biblical faith simply means trust. It's trust. It's putting your trust in what you know to be true. So here in the context of the Colossian church, again, there were new teachers coming in teaching um, biblical ideas that would lead them astray. So the congregation needed to keep their focus on the one whom they had originally placed their trust in, the Lord Jesus. Faith in Jesus is, of course, the bedrock of every Christian life. It's the bedrock of every Christian, healthy Christian church. Remember, Paul wrote elsewhere in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes through the increasing knowledge of God's Word. And so that's why Reach Life Church, if you look over here at our distinctives, we are a biblically rooted church. Biblically, easy for me to say, biblically rooted church. You know, without a sure grounding in the Word of God, without a steady, robust diet of the Word of God, the church will move away from faith in Christ Jesus. Remember, this whole book of Colossians is about the supremacy of Christ. Well, you can't be a Christ-centered follower of Jesus or a Christ-centered church Unless you're gospel-centered, you focus on what, who Jesus is and what He's done. That's, that's the other descriptor you see there by the coffee stand, gospel-centered. We can't be gospel-centered unless we're biblically rooted. That's where we find the gospel. And so if you're exploring a church, that'll give you some idea about who we are as Reach Life Church. We, we are a biblically rooted, gospel-centered church that is all about Jesus' glory and not our own. That's what we strive to be. We're not perfect at that, but that's what we strive to be. So the next thing we see Paul list that can be viewed as a characteristic of a healthy, vibrant, thriving church is shared love. That's in the second half of verse 4. He's, I'll just read verse 4 again. He says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Love. Love is a distinguishing characteristic of a healthy, vibrant, thriving church. You remember Jesus' words about this? He's talking to his disciples in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying that's how the church should be identified. That's how the church is identified as being the church of Jesus by people who are not part of the church of Jesus, is by our love for one another. And notice, our love one another should look the way that Jesus loves us. That's a really high bar, right? It's not something that we can achieve, quite honestly, but it is something to which we strive, right? That's our aim. That's our goal. By God's grace, He is moving us in that direction. We are to emu- we can't uh, we can't mimic Him. We can't fully love like Jesus loves but we can emulate him as we submit to him. He loves us through us. Uh, And notice here that Christian love, loving like Jesus, isn't a clicky sort of thing, is it? Notice what it says, in the love that you have for whom? All saints. All all saints. And so that's why I reach Life Church. You'll see that, um, see that, that other distinctive back there that says diverse. Right, we are a uh, socioeconomically, ethnically, and generationally mixed congregation by design. Now, God brings who God brings, but that's our goal. You know why? That's how heaven looks. 
That's how heaven looks, right? And so we want that to look like Reach Life Church as well. So all God's people are loved equally because they are all God's people, right? All God's people. Um, Man, how are you going to love God and not love God's people? That's so weird. People say, you know, I'm I'm about about Jesus, but I don't need that church thing. How are you going to love God and not love God's people? Now, we're broken people. There's no doubt. Hospitals are for sick people, right? But we're all sick people, (laughs) right? We're broken together. Jesus makes us whole, and so we can, we can love one another because the gospel is true, even in our brokenness. Now, let me just say, that doesn't mean that you got to be best buds with everybody, right? Natural friendships will, will merge because you have shared interests and those sorts of things. You don't have to be buddies with everybody. Uh, that's not what this is all about. Um, he didn't say uh, that you're, you're like for all the saints, right, necessarily. But listen, you don't have to like me. You have to love me. Right? You gotta love me. I'm not always easy to like. Maybe I'm not always easy to love, but but Jesus says, love me. And I gotta love you, right? We get to love one another. We're not perfect at that as Reach Life Church, but I actually believe that we do a pretty good job, man, of not being cliquish and isolationist kind of kind of folks, man. Um, I believe that in this church family, if you want to be loved, you'll be loved. Right? If you want to give love, then you can give love in this family. Um, I, again, if you're exploring a church, I would just say get to know us a little bit. Uh, you'll see the work of God that he's doing with love among his people at Reach Life Church. Well, verse 5, we see that a healthy, vibrant, thriving church possesses a sure hope. A sure hope. Strong faith, shared love, assured, a sure hope. It says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Remember, Reach Life Church is a gospel-centered church. That means everything that we do say, think, our motives, we strive to have centered on Jesus and what he's accomplished on our behalf. Well, what did Jesus accomplish on our behalf? Well, he created us for a perfect relationship with God. He added humanity to his own divinity and lived a perfect life that we could not live. He made perfect payment for our sins, something that we couldn't do either. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, demonstrating that, yes, He is God, and the Father has accepted His payment on behalf of your sins. And Jesus is currently interceding for us before the Father, and in the future, He will take us to be with Him forever in a future that we cannot possibly fathom right now. That's what Jesus and more has accomplished for us. That's the gospel. And that gives us tremendous hope. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, right? You do these things because of the hope that's laid up in in heaven. Well, we have faith in Jesus and love for all the saints because of the hope we have laid up in heaven, because of the gospel. We've heard that in the gospel. So, um, If you individually are not centered on Jesus and what he's done for you, you may have like moments of good feeling, but you don't have real deep-seated hope the way that God has designed you to have deep-seated hope. You may think, man, my life is pretty good. I'm telling you, God says without Jesus, you're missing out on what everything is about. 
you're missing life as it's truly meant to be lived. Um, but thanks be to God. Um, I, Pastor James and I talk about this, that, man, if, if we were dropped into the city of Asheville and we're looking for a church to be part of, we'd end up at Reach Life, right? Because we're a gospel-centered church who loves one another. So look at verse 6 with me. Uh, Placing our faith in Jesus and hope in the gospel has a practical effect on our lives. It says, which has come to you as indeed, this is the gospel, the gospel is the which, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, look at it, it is bearing fruit, and increasing as it does, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So the next characteristic of a healthy, vibrant, thriving church is surrendered and shaped lives. Surrendered and shaped lives. This is Paul saying the gospel was going out to the whole known world at the time. And he's writing to the church at Colossae, and he's saying, and it's, it's come to you too, and we actually have heard it's bearing fruit. Your life is bearing fruit in keeping with the gospel. Um, in other words, he's saying that all Christians everywhere, either in the whole world or Colossae or here in Asheville, here in Reach Life Church, bear a family, a family resemblance, so to speak. Not in the way we look, but in the way we live. We live like the family of God. As we surrender our lives to the Savior, we are shaped in a certain way. Our lives take on a certain flavor and shape. We'll see it later as we get into chapter 2 in a few weeks. But again, the false teachers were making certain man-made rules. They were making restrictions that God had not placed upon the people. And they were trying to say, hey, you're saved in this way. But God doesn't save from the outside in, does He? He saves from the inside out. When he makes us new on the inside, it changes the way we live. He's not saying, uh, hey, like, uh, like a Buddhist concept or something like that, follow these paths and you'll end up good. Jesus is saying, no, I make you good, therefore you follow these paths. Or you see the difference. You see the difference. Um, so primarily, you will see lives moving away. When they're changed by the gospel, when they're shaped this way, you'll see lives moving away from being slaves to sin, and moving toward bearing fruit of the Spirit, right? you get that? Moving away from being slaves to sin, moving toward bearing fruit of the Spirit. Um, this contrast is laid out really well in the, the famous fruit of the Spirit passage in Galatians. Let's just read it together, and you can see what, what I'm talking about. Paul says to the church at Galatia, But I say, walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pause right there. You see the contrast? Away from being a slave to sin toward fruit of the Spirit. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Here we go. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the contrast, verse 22. But 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, there's our identity, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's a distinguishing mark of a healthy Christian in a healthy church, right? He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So again, uh, moving toward bearing fruit of the Spirit as we yield to the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Notice what Paul says this life change, life shape is based on. He said it was based on the grace of God in truth. Then he say that there in the verse based on the grace of God and truth. This is not human traditions. This is not man-centered philosophy or pagan religious practices, but rather it's the grace of God and truth. This is gospel-based, based on Jesus' work, not our work, what He's done on our behalf. Um, and again, I just want to point to Reach Life Church. If you um, stick around long enough, you'll hear stories of people being in sin, being encountered by the gospel of Jesus Christ, repenting of their sin, and being made to walk in newness of life. That's what you'll, that's, you'll hear that. You'll hear people who, who, have, who have been renewed by Jesus, but they have decided in seasons of their life to yield to sin. And what we lovingly do is come alongside, not as judge. We're sinners too. We can't judge anybody. But we say, Jesus wants to set you free. Can I walk with you? Can we walk together? Can we return to Jesus together and people are being changed. And I, and I would encourage you also, um, you know, maybe you've experienced that positive change yourself, but if you have a chance, go onto our YouTube page and search for uh, Testimonial Sunday. You'll get to see interviews we've done with people in here that have experienced very real change by the Spirit of God through the life of Reach Life Church. Not because we're us, but because God is God. And that's what He does. Right, so I, I would encourage you, man. Um, you can see people being changed by the good news about Jesus. And let me let me tell you something else. If you are in a place in your life where you're like, you know what, I, I got some changing to do. There's some things I need to work on with me and the Lord. And if we're honest, that's all of us, is it, is it not? Right. I would certainly raise my hand on that. Well, I'd love to share with you more about the good news that Jesus has for you. If you're in a place where you recognize, I need change with something between me and the Lord, or me and somebody else, uh, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Well, in verses 7 and 8, we see Paul's greeting kind of continue to lay out uh, the distinguishing characteristics of a strong, healthy, growing, vibrant, thriving church. Verse 7, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So the next distinguishing mark is faithful leadership. I know I was doing good with the alliteration, all the S's coming down through there, and then I just I didn't know how to make this one with S's, so I didn't. Okay, If you're OCD like me, forgive my lack of the um, alliteration there. So faithful leadership. Uh, you know, when I was on the staff of one of my mentors and friends, Dennis Thurman, he would always emphasize in staff meeting this, this saying by leadership uh, guy, uh, John Maxwell. He would say, everything rises and falls on leadership. 
everything rises and falls on leadership. And as uh, how I put it, a fish stinks from the head down, right? That's an old Turkish saying, a fish stinks from the head down. I don't think that's true biologically, but it makes a good point about leadership, doesn't it? Like as goes the leaders of a business, an organization, a family, so goes that business, organization, or family. Uh, that's certainly true in the life of the church. You know, all too often these days we hear of church leaders who lead people astray through false teaching. And these church leaders will sometimes leave their marriages. They will commit unrepentant sin. They wreck and divide churches. They abuse God's people rather than tend to God's people. And sometimes these leaders even fall away from the faith themselves. So here in our context, Paul says Epaphras, who was apparently the guy who actually planted the church in Colossae, is, uh, there's good reason to think that. Paul and Timothy are writing to help out, right? And they refer to Epaphras as a leader walking in the manner that God would have him walk with the church in Colossae and he's, as he's ministering Jesus' gospel. So notice that here are three qualities listed of a godly church leader. So if you're looking to say, hey, is this person? There are more to be known uh, about what makes a godly church leader, but just check out these three. First, they are a servant. That's how, that's how Epaphras is described, a servant. God's people are, are sheep, not cattle. Have you ever heard that? Sheep are to be led, not driven, right? A godly church leader is faithful. These people can count on Epaphras, right? I'm sure Epaphras is not perfect because he's a, he's a dude, but he is present. They can count on Epaphras. And a godly church leader is about Jesus and not themselves, Right? See, Epaphras is not only present, but he's present as a minister of Jesus Christ, not of himself. In other words, Epaphras is faithful to point people to Jesus and not to Epaphras. Right? Um, he's about Jesus' kingdom, not his own. He recognizes that it's Jesus' church, not his church. And listen, um, by God's grace, Epaphras would walk in such a way that the people could see in tangible form, what it looks like for somebody to follow Jesus. Again, not perfect, but they can have a visual thing that they can emulate that as Epaphras follows Jesus, so they can follow Epaphras, right? Um, and by God's grace, man, um, Pastor James and I long to be that sort of thing. We are insufficient. I'm just going to tell you, we're, <laughs> we're insufficient to do that. Um, but we really do that, believe that if you'll pray for us, man, God will help us. God will help us attain or strive toward that sort of thing. So I just want to stop and ask you, please pray for your pastors, man. We need it. Those of you who know me well know that I need, <laughs> I need prayer, right? I'm not. Uh, sometimes I get things right, and, and that's fine if you follow me when I do that. But I'm, I'm going to point you to Jesus because... Jesus is the only person who's never going to let you down. Jesus is the only person who will never fail. He's the only person who's always consistent, right? Um, so pray for us. Um, 
By the way, this is not only for those who have the title of pastor. Let's read back through that list, and as we do, I want you to stop and ask for yourself and see, is this also something that maybe should apply to anyone within the church, something that we should all strive to be? Let's look again at three qualities of a church leader. They are a servant. Right? Did you realize that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve? How, how could we be anything other than servants of one another in the Lord? A good leader in the church is faithful. Again, you don't have to be perfect, but are you present? Can you be counted on? Are you serving with your giftedness? A uh, godly church leader is about Jesus and not themselves, right? This, this is not my kingdom. This is Jesus's kingdom. This is not my church. This is Jesus's church, man. Um, and you desire that by God's grace, you would walk in such a way that people who are looking would see you in, in tangible form a way um, that they too can follow after Jesus. Again, not perfect, but you are walking after Jesus, and they can see in you that they too can follow Jesus. You know, the truth is that all of us are leading someone. All of us are leading someone. People are looking at you to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. How do you feel about that? People are looking to you to know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Man, I believe that as we pray for one another, God will empower us to look more like Jesus, to follow Jesus more fully, to submit to him better. Uh, so you pray for us and we'll pray for you, right, as we strive to follow Jesus. Well, we see in verses 9 through 11 that a healthy, vibrant, thriving church is made up of people who have lives of prayer. Let's read 9 through 11 together. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, Paul had not ceased to pray for these people. Um, he asked that God would grant them knowledge of God's will through all wisdom and understanding. None of this matters. Nothing that we talked about up until this point in the message today matters unless we recognize our full dependence upon the God who made us and the one who saved us. Uh, remember uh, Paul's words to the church in Corinth. He was talking to uh, the concept that each person fulfill their role within the church. And he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Remember Jesus' words his own teaching where he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so um, let me ask you a question. Do we want to know the will of God with all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a church? 
like verse 9 says, especially during this season of change where we're seeking God's will. Well, then we must seek God for God's will. You do that in prayer. You do that practically in His Word, seeking His Word, and then you do it relationally with Him in prayer. And notice here the result that Paul says is from a life of prayer. I don't know if you realize why you need to pray and why I need to pray. Let's check this out. Uh, Since Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, uh, if we stay connected with Him, look at verses 10 and 11 again. He says that so as to, thus we will be able to, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Pause. Do you need any more impetus, cause, reason to have a life of prayer? Then that it will enable you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Do you desire that, follower of Jesus? It begins with a life of prayer to the Lord. Let's keep reading. But we could also bear fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, bearing, uh, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance with patience and joy. Uh, but wait, there, there, there's more, right? Bearing fruit in my labors. Do you want to bear fruit in your work for the Lord? you want to increase in knowledge with Him? Do you want to have strength equal to anything that you may face? Do you want to have endurance to run the race before you regardless of what that race looks like? And not only run it with endurance, but to do so with peace, patience, and joy? Don't we all? Can we pray? <laughs> right? Let's have lives of humble prayer, recognizing our dependence upon the Lord. I hope we don't need any more um, a motivation to pray. Uh, so by God's grace, we desire to be a house of prayer. And uh, just as uh, you've been reminded, just a quick, a quick note. I know it's getting late. Give me just a minute. As a quick note, we're asking one another as Reach Life Church to consider uh, fasting for a while. And we can talk about what fasting looks like. It can look different ways for different people. You can fast different things, but we're asking um, those of you, again, if you consider Reach Life Church, your, your church home, to consider fasting as we seek God's will right now. We want to be close and clean and recognize our dependence upon Him. Lastly, we see that a healthy, vibrant, thriving church will be characterized by a deep and abiding thankfulness. So what are we thankful for? Look at verses 12 through 14. If Jesus is our Savior giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What could we possibly want more than these things? Um, What more would want us to seek together to be a healthy, vibrant, thriving church? And to seek to have people know whom we know and what we know about Him, that Jesus saves. Well, listen, um, if God has stirred in your heart today to want to grow in any of these areas, I would love to talk with you more. We are so blessed as Reach Life Church that God is working in us. God is changing us. Next week, we'll dive into deep Christology and learn again of our Savior, probably in ways that maybe you've, you've not considered before. But I want us to respond right now uh, to this description of a healthy, vibrant, 
thriving church, where would God have you grow as the church? Right? Remember, you this building is not the church. You, we are the church. Maybe um, you would consider your response to Jesus right now. What marks do you do you fit as a distinguishing mark of a healthy, vibrant, thriving disciple of Jesus as part of the church? Where would you want to grow? Spend some time in prayer talking to him right now.